Welcome to Women of Courage, Living the Gospel with Power. Thank you for joining me for part two of our friendship series. Now remember this friendship that we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks It's a friendship that developed between King David and Jonathan. It all began after David killed Goliath. And the word of God says, The soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Wow. God knew what no one else could have known. And that David was going to need Jonathan. And it would take God to cause a person such as Jonathan to knit himself to another person, David, and be able to unselfishly guard God's interest in David. Jonathan has to put his own ambition, dreams, and future aside so that God's plans for David are realized. Now you may wonder if the knitting of Jonathan's soul to David evolved over a period of time. Well, the sacred scriptures do not say, but both of them had a very kind, tender heart. They both loved the Lord and both of them was open to him. Yet, they probably discovered that they didn't have a lot in common. You know, David was a shepherd, came from a relatively poor background, while Jonathan came from a wealthy family. Yet, when instructed of God to be friends, David and Jonathan do not hesitate. You have to allow the Lord to fill in some of the blank spaces in history. Because scriptures don't share anything about their day-to-day experience and their conversations and the time that they spend together getting to know each other. But what we do know is that one fateful day, Jonathan and David made a covenant. If you study the scriptures you will notice that Jonathan refers to this covenant often. It is Jonathan that keeps this covenant alive and before David. He doesn't allow him to forget it. Now, this covenant is not just between the two of them, but between their families as well. And I want to read you scriptures related to this covenant. In 1 Samuel 20, it says, So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hands of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again, because he loved him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. In 1 Samuel 20, he continues by saying, And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace. For as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between us, me and thee, and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Now you have to wonder, why is this agreement, this covenant, this promise, this pledge so important to Jonathan? Could it be that God knew something? that they did not know? 
After his brave and courageous victory for Israel in killing Goliath, David isn't asked but required to start spending more and more time at the palace where Jonathan probably lived. David fights bravely by Saul's side and wins many battles for him and with him. Yet Saul cannot forget. It keeps ringing in his ear what the prophet Samuel had told him. And that was, The Lord has given the kingdom of Israel to a neighbor of yours. That is better than you. The character of David stands out against his own. Keep in mind, the person that measures himself against another person can always choose to come out ahead. But, the person that measures himself against the character of God will always fall short. David's character resembled too closely that of the Son of God, and it didn't take Satan long to whisper in Saul's ear, David's the one. He will take your kingdom because he's better than you. And there is only one way to prevent that from happening. You must kill David. So the spirit of jealousy is born in Saul's heart, and it never leaves. But in fairness to Saul, he does attempt to get rid of this spirit, but he attempts it in his own strength. You will not read where Saul goes to the Lord and agonizes with him and pleads with him to take this spirit from him. You don't read that. Therefore, Satan sees to it that the spirit of jealousy rules his heart. I want to read a passage of scripture and it's found in 1 Samuel. I think it's 18. Yes, 18. And it says, And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with a tambourine, with joy, with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but only thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Now as time goes on, Saul is convinced that David has been chosen to take his place, that his seed, his son Jonathan, will never sit on the throne. Something must be done. He can't let this happen. And as the evil, surmising spirit goes, there is only one way to make sure that his seed remains in control of Israel. David must die. Yes, Saul made a decision that he probably struggled with for some time. And I imagine that the angel, the good ones and the bad ones, wrestled over Saul's heart, helping Saul to make a decision. Will Saul yield to God, or will Saul yield to the enemy, Satan? And guess who won? 
Guess who Saul gives permission to rule his heart? Yes, it was Satan. I'm going to continue reading in chapter 18 where it says, And Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with him, and was departed from Saul. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. And Saul was yet more afraid of David. And Saul became David's enemy continually. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. Did you hear that? Saul told Jonathan, David's best friend, you are to kill David. Yet when it became known that David had been anointed to be king, Jonathan doesn't take a stand by his father and demand his right to rule. History records something very different. In 1 Samuel 19, it reads, But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeks to kill thee. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning and abide in a secret place and hide thyself. I want you to imagine this scene. Watch as Jonathan stands at a fork in the road. He looks up and he sees two signposts. The one on the left reads King Jonathan and the one on the right reads King David. The one on the left makes the most sense because he was born to be king. He was born to lead. He knows in his heart that he can do a much, much better job of ruling the nation of Israel than his father. Israel deserves to be ruled by someone such as himself. This path also means that he will have to go against the express will of God that it is very possible that this path will lead him to become just like his father, a seeker after his own heart and not the Lord's. This path on the left will bring him wealth and fame, but he will also lose someone that has become his heartbeat, and that's God. Now the sign pointing to the right will prove difficult. If he takes this path, he will walk alone. He will give up being the next king of Israel, his father's greatest desire. It will also appear that he has sided with the enemy in his father's eyes and going against his father express will. Now a lot of pits and crevices are on this path, and it appears much more hilly. Watch him, though. This is the most important decision Jonathan will make today. Yet he doesn't hesitate. He takes the right path. He gives up his right to be king and become a friend of David's instead. Jonathan makes a profound decision, one he could not have made alone, one on the strength of who he knew God to be is how he was able to win this battle within himself. Someone once said, and I don't remember who, 
that we are to wrestle with God until he wins when we are faced with a decision. Now the angels that have been with Jonathan since his birth dispatches his decision to the Father and all of heaven rejoices because Jonathan has chosen life. He takes hold of God's eternal gift of eternal life and he takes hold of God's unchanging hand and he walks a different path than what his father had planned for him. After taking a few steps down the right path, Jonathan turns back and looks with amazement. The signpost, the one on the right, resembles a cross. And he knows that this path he has chosen will ultimately lead him to stand before the King of Kings. Until next time. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Women of Courage, Living the Gospel with Power. You are the most courageous woman I know, and I thank you for allowing me to be a part of your life. Until next time, be blessed. Thank you.